Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, thank you for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, I have a couple of my coworkers on the podcast today. We're getting toward the end of the year, 2022, and our lobbying team in Washington, D.C. that represents the cannabis industry year-round on Capitol Hill has joined me on the podcast today so we can talk about what's happened during the year 2022 and just wrap things up a bit. So please allow me to introduce my coworkers, Michelle Rudder-Freeberg and Michael Correa. For those of you who don't know, Michelle Rudder-Freeberg is Deputy Director of Government Relations and she's been with NCIA since 2014. She's a graduate of James Madison University in the year 2012, where during her studies, she held a year-long internship with Virginia House of Delegates member Tony Wilt. Michael Correa is also on the show with us today. He's the Director of Government Relations with NCIA here. And prior to joining NCIA, he spent many years working on Capitol Hill, including working for Representative George Rodanovich from California, who retired in 2010, and the House Committee on Resources, serving three different chairmen. Previously, he was Director of Federal Affairs for the American Legislative Exchange Council, known as ALEC, and Senior Project Manager for the Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. Thank you both. I know it's a busy time of year. It's busy all the time uh, with all the exciting things happening in Congress. Thanks for taking some time to chat with me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. 
Absolutely. I know our listeners love hearing directly from our government relations team as well. So let's kick off. Uh, First, let's jog our memories a little bit. Let's go all the way back to the state of the cannabis movement when we we all began working at NCIA. That was almost nine years ago, believe it or not. Um, Michael, you've been here for over nine years. Um, and Michelle and I are also close to our nine-year anniversary working at the organization when two states, Colorado and Washington, were just rolling out their adult-use cannabis laws for the first time. So thinking back to that time, uh, what was the tone and temperature when it comes to pro-cannabis policy reform in the halls of Congress back then, Michael? Well, um, I was hired in November of 2013, so starting my 10th year, following finishing up nine, and I began lobbying on this issue and working for NCIA before there were legal sales in Colorado. That was in January of 14, and in Washington State, uh, July of 2014, and so it was definitely a different world. I was the only full-time cannabis industry lobbyist working on the issue. I was an island unto myself. And this was sort of a novelty on Capitol Hill. You know, the giggle factor, you represent who? And I actually had, you know, a, a senator or two physically back away from a handshake from me when they realized who I was, like somehow it's gonna be a gotcha moment or somehow like I was some weirdo like representing the child molesters or something. And to see how far we have come to where nine years later, we have the Senate Majority Leader introducing his own legalization bill. It just goes to show you how far this issue has come and how many lobbyists we have, full-time lobbyists, working on this issue for other trade associations and for the industry. And it's definitely matured at it as a, uh, as a movement. Uh, and I've been uh, very happy watching it play out, but I'll, I'll tell you one thing. The first event I did for NCIA was early November of 2013 and Earl Blumenauer, a Congressman from uh, uh, um, uh, Oregon had said, uh, he expected Congress to legalize uh, cannabis by 2020. And way back mm-hmm. in the time machine in 2013, I thought, wow, seven years is so far into the future. And I thought legalization <laughs> would take eight to 10 years. And here we are, nine years later, not only have we not got legalization, we're talking about very little incremental legislation, just to show you how far we've come as the industry, but how uh, incremental and slow reform is. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it moves at a glacial pace, as they say, right? <laughs> um, Michelle, let's let's hear your memories from 2014 when you began at NCIA. Yeah, thanks, Bethany. And thanks again for having us. Always good to be here. You know, my recollections are really similar to Mike's, of course, being that I he's been here as long as I have. And, and so we've experienced a lot of these things together. But the one thing that I'll also note is that, you know, there was definitely, like Mike said, that giggle factor or sort of the eyebrow raise when you would reach out to congressional offices. But I also think that, you know, I even think about my life personally, you know what I mean? That's a long time ago to me, you know, looking back at how much has happened, both professionally 
professionally, personally in that time. And, you know, I remember telling my family about getting this job and my parents are both pretty supportive at that time were pretty supportive and now are very supportive of, of uh, cannabis, but even they were a little bit tepid. And man, I remember telling my grandparents and um, <laughs> I'll just leave it at my grandfather didn't have the best response. And that was, that was difficult in our family. But the reason I say that and all's well now for anyone concerned, but the reason I say that is that I really think that also goes to show sort of the shift that we've seen in public opinion. You know, public opinion on this issue has always been strong. You know, we've seen since Gallup has started asking about marijuana, I think back in 1969, it's always kind of gradually gone up. But in the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, we've really seen that spike up over, over uh, uh, that time. So uh, even just thinking about how much public opinion and sort of, again, erasing that stigma has changed over that nine years really stands out to me as well. And just about what issues we were talking about then too, I would say, you know, Mike obviously just mentioned that incremental reform is uh, sort of what's been on the menu recently, you know, for better or for worse. But, you know, also back in, in 2014, the conversations that we were having were just very, very different. I know later in this uh, uh, segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the White House and some research bills, but the topic, the conversations that we're having have shifted at least a little bit to actually talk about when this happens, not what if it happens. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to your point, Michelle, in the mid 2000s, when I was um, just a cannabis activist, uh, I had friends uh, and acquaintances in the DC area where I lived at the time who distanced themselves from me because they were afraid of being associated with somebody who was a cannabis activist. So there you go. Um, but back to present day and all the great work we've been doing the last few years, Lobby Days is easily my favorite NCIA event. And I think a lot of people share my sentiment. And in the pre, pre-COVID pandemic, um, it was really encouraging to see year after year the number of NCIA members who would fly out to DC to do this work with us grow and grow. I believe we had 300 or more attendees at Lobby Days in the year 2019. So we're seeing more and more congressional offices take our group and our concerns seriously. Uh, any, any further reflections on the, the Lobby Days aspect of the work that we're doing, Michael? Yeah, and I uh, I just wanted to, you know, show you that maturity, you know, when I started, our first lobby days that I did in 2014 had 30 people, the next mm -hmm. year was 60, and then 100, then 200, and like you said, our peak, we are 300 plus, you almost saw a doubling of lobby days turnout and it was sort of mirroring just the in, the industry as a whole mm. doubling and you know we i wanted the cannabis industry to have representation to be like every other industry in america and every other industry in america is represented and does their flying and their members come in and they talk to capitol hill and you know what we were doing in 2014 you know, at the back end of a bar, having beers, discussing our lobby days, full circle to where we have 300 people in a hotel ballroom doing organized breakfasts, talking about our planning and our day and uh, fundraisers and press conferences and how far we've gone over the years, of course, pre-COVID was quite amazing. And, you know, we really hit our peak and our stride in 2019. Um, and it's just it's it's a shame because COVID really put a damper on just lobbying um, and fly-ins for most industries. Uh, the capital, for the most part, was closed down to the public, 
and for a lot of lobbyists like me. And so that interaction for the past, what are we now, two and a half years, almost three years later, yeah. still coming out of. And the thought is the Republicans in the House will open up the Capitol starting in January, which is great news for a lobbyist just to be able to interact with staff on a personal level versus the Zoom level because there's that not there's not that connection. And just being able to have our members fly in, meet their representatives, meet their senators, represent the industry is really important. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we went three plus years without doing a lobby days. We did one in September that was very successful. I'm very happy with that. Mm -hmm. And our plan is to do another one in May of 2023 that I'm looking uh, looking forward to excited about. But, you know, it's just it's really good to get out there. It's really good for our members to see what we do on a day to day basis. And it is, you know, the highlight of Michelle and I's year being able to do that for our membership. Mm, absolutely. Michelle, anything to add on to that before we take our first commercial break? No, I think Mike did a great job. Just what a joy Lobby Days truly is to be able to see all of our members come out, become involved in the political process, you, you know, take their First Amendment rights uh, uh, by the horns and, and be set out on the hill. It's absolutely <laughs> incredible. And the sheer number of meetings that, that we do is truly incredible. Even with this smaller fly-in that we did back in September, we still ended up doing over the course of about four hours, we hit 100 offices or so. Wild. So it's really, really um, a wonderful way to get our members involved. And it's also a really wonderful way for members of Congress and their staff to hear directly from operators. And, and there's, you know, it's great to hear from me and Mike, but there's nothing like hearing it straight from a business owner's mouth. And so hope to see everybody out here in May. Absolutely. And uh, we've released a couple of videos that we produced about lobby days, but there are even more videos in production that we'll be releasing between now and the next lobby days in May. All right, let's take that first commercial break and we'll be right back to take a deeper dive with Michael and Michelle. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. We're chatting with Michael Correa and Michelle Rutter Freeberg, who are NCIA's government relations team in Washington, D.C. Um, so we are pretty close here to wrapping up the year 2022, uh, which did feel a little more normal considering the unusual circumstances of the last couple of years that that we've touched on. Um, but in my opinion, uh, you know, the introduction of the CAOA in the Senate seemed to be kind of a pinnacle moment as far as what's going on in Congress. But I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about that, Michael. Yeah, so uh, in previous Congresses, uh, Senator Booker uh, of New Jersey, Senator Wyden of Oregon, and Senator Schumer have had their own uh, versions of legalization bills floating around. And about two years ago, they got together and said, instead of having multiple Senate legalization bills, let's get together. Uh, and I applaud them for working together. You know, the last thing uh, lobbyists need and the Hill needs are, you know, six different versions of bills about everyone's different take about what's important and what's not when they can work out some of the details behind the scenes, introduce a bill and go from there. So from that end, I'm uh, very happy. Uh, it was it was a little funny when they first said they would, uh, they were thinking about a bill. It was February of 2021. They dropped a discussion draft. Uh, what, six months later, Michelle, they took comments on it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then they finally introduced their bill. I think it was in uh, June or July of this year, right before Congress was sort of winding down for the year, which I wish they had introduced a little earlier, but it's very important. And like I said, I can't say this enough. The Senate Majority Leader, who's the most powerful person in the Senate and possibly one of the most powerful, if not most powerful members in Congress, has their own legalization bill. That means a lot from a messaging standpoint. And NCIA... Uh, looked through that bill. Uh, we worked through that bill from a policy level. We gave 40 pages of comments and questions to Capitol Hill as they were forming uh, that discussion draft. They took a lot of those thoughts into consideration in their bill. Um, it's a very good bill. It's, it's not a perfect bill. There is no such thing as a perfect bill. But one of the things that concerns me the most, I am here to represent the cannabis industry. And the last thing we need is legalization and we all applaud each other. And then when the details come out, we realize it's not working or it's unworkable or you're not going to get the results that you were hoping for. And so I would like to work out all these issues and ask all these questions before legalization passes. And we have a lot of concerns just about the tax structures on this bill and what this would do to small businesses. NCIA represents the entire cannabis industry, but at the same time, we really focus on the small businesses, the little guys, the mom and pops who are trying to survive. And the last thing we want is with legalization, 
is just more consolidation and having this wonderful industry not reach its potential because the taxes are too high or the regulations are too high. And it's something I want to work out uh, before we get there. But we are we are uh, years away from legalization in Congress. This is the start. The House has done a lot of work um, and has passed legalization bills on a couple occasions, although the Republican Congress um, going forward is not going to be as friendly uh, on cannabis reform. But just having legislation out there to discuss, to comment on, to amend, to work through the process is just really important for us as a lobbyist. And it beats, it beats like my, what my life was like in 2014 when we were just talking about bills, trying to be serious. Now, like Michelle mentioned, it's, a, it's about how we implement. It's not. It's no longer a conversation of should we do this experiment or not. It's how we roll it out, how we implement it, and that discussion has really changed. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Michelle, what are your thoughts around that? Yeah, thank you for that, Bethany and Mike. And I was just thinking, you know, also more broadly for our for our listeners and for our members as well, that like you mentioned, Mike, like this is still going to be a years long process, unfortunately, uh, to get this done and to get it right. And what I think is important for everybody to remember is that the Senate is the upper chamber of Congress. And the Senate has always since really since the country's inception, uh, has been the more deliberative and works much slower. Uh, than the house. And so it's just really important to remember that because it's very, very frustrating. Trust me, I get it. I work in this every single day. It can be very frustrating not to see things happen, but this is how, how Congress works or sometimes doesn't work. So I think it's important to remember <laughs> that. And I also think it's important to just think about the Senate that we still have a lot of work to do because we still have to reach that 60 threshold. And like Mike said, you know, we will have our work cut out for us in the Senate, certainly over the next couple of years and in the house as well. Now with Republicans uh, taking the House over and we're going to be working with divided government, that certainly is going to pose its own challenges. Uh, but again, I think that this will give us a good opportunity, hopefully, to educate a lot of senators to work on KOA and start to have some of those hearings that that um, Leader Schumer talked about, you know, when they were crafting the bill, Leader Schumer and Senators Booker and Wyden, you know, uh, really stressed over and over again how they were being very deliberative and talking with the committees of jurisdiction, which I think was essentially every single committee. Um, I think there's something like 14 Senate committees or something like that. Maybe I'm, I could be wrong on the exact number, but somewhere around there. And, and cannabis policy is going to end up touching on pretty much everything, right? I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody listening here. And so again, thinking about uh, having those hearings, having those markups, having a more serious in-depth conversation about what legalization is actually going to look like. I think that's how we'll be spending our time. And I just wanted to mention, you know, I worked on the Hill for over a decade and to get into the mindset of a politician, politicians are risk averse. They don't like 50, 50 issues. They love slam dunks mm. and to get something that's a slam dunk. You know, the last thing a politician wants to do, and especially a senator is get in front of a political movement. And, you know, you saw this, uh, you see this with cannabis that it takes years to sort of mature and get people comfortable doing this. And as Michelle mentioned, you know, you need this constant drumbeat. They need to hear from the public constantly from different angles, hearing from states, hearing from industry, hearing from stakeholders, seeing it in the news, constantly drumbeat about why reform is important 
and needed. And then they get this comfort level to say, okay, I'm good doing something like this. Mm-hmm. That takes, it takes years. I hate to say it. It takes years right. to build up to that level. And if you look back there, it's one thing trying to, um, push for um, a movement of something you believe in, whether that's education, the environment, transportation, whatever you believe in. It's another thing to take an issue that has been illegal for basically all of our lives mm-hmm. and then to change public opinion on that and to change politicians like, hey, 80 year old Joe Biden, you spent 40 years of your political life being opposed to cannabis. Now you have to change and be a supporter of cannabis. This is how, this is why. That takes a while mm. uh, for politicians to do that. And it's an evolution. It's a lot easier with a natural churn of older guys retire, young guys come in. But it is hard to have, especially older members of the Senate. And you you just go through the list of the Chuck Grasserly's and Diane Feinstein's and even the Joe Biden's of the world. It's a, it's a slower process, and that's something we're up against. It's not just a matter of lobbying for your issue. It's changing the public perception of 50 years of this being illegal. Now let's change that, and let's tell you why we need legalization, and that's a little harder. And I, yeah. we all need resources. I'm, I'm one person. NCIA is one group. We just need NCIA needs resources. We need member resources, and we need that constant drumbeat. Um, the Hill needs to hear from industry, stakeholders, and others. Uh, constantly on this issue. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, Yeah, we have a lot to cover in the rest of this episode. Uh, Before we take our next commercial break, uh, we can't forget about the Safe Banking Act, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act. That particular bill has been running a marathon in the House of Representatives for years now, right? It's passed seven times. Um, So what is going on with the Safe Banking Act at the end of the year 2022 at this stage? And I'm also hearing about this new iteration called Safe Plus. Can you uh, break that down for me? Yeah, sure. So um, when, when I started in 2013, before there was really legalization and you had one state, two states, three states, four states. The My strategy and the plan of cannabis at the time was what can we do incrementally? What can Congress do to make it a little easier for the industry that's now legalizing at the state level to have their businesses sort of succeed in state legal, uh, as state legal entities? And we, you know, we thought, okay, you pass the Safe Banking Act, Let's work on that. The industry can go forward. Then Congress can spend the next three, five, 10 years worrying about legalization. We're now, here we are nine years later, we have what, Michelle, 20 states, 18, 19, 20 states that are legal. And it's getting to a point to where now it's not only like incremental, it's getting past the point. Like we we are so far past it. Like we have to get this done and move on to the next bill. So we've been pushing safe since before it was called safe. Its original iteration was called the uh, Marijuana Businesses Access to Banking Act way back in the time machine. And now, um, to me, it's just, it's low-hanging fruit. It's not a cannabis bill. It's a safety bill. It's a law enforcement bill. Um, And at the same time, it's helping small businesses get access to financing Um, As you mentioned, Bethany, it's passed the House seven different times. It's had hearings in the House. It's it's been talked about ad nauseum for years. It has, I think, 
39 co-sponsors, nine Republicans in the Senate. And if you know anything about Capitol Hill, very rarely do you get such bipartisan support on issues. And I'm really amazed because it is truly bipartisan. We've had about 90 to 100 Republicans supporting SAFE in the House. It's teed up and it's ready to go. Um, but a lot of the issue is not just is SAFE good enough, but our advocates, uh, friends in cannabis like Chuck Schumer and, and Cory Booker, who don't think SAFE goes far enough to address some of the harms in the war on drugs and have held it up. And it's very frustrating because to me personally, I think incremental reform leads to more reform. Everything is in baby steps mm -hmm. versus you are going to accomplish and solve all of the issues of cannabis, the racism and all the problems with the war on drugs and one fell swoop. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I don't think you are going to um, lose momentum if you pass something like SAFE. I think you are only going to gain momentum. And as you stabilize small businesses and you're able to grow as businesses, that leads to more money for reform. And that just is one more thing we've checked off the box that we can address when we go to reform. Uh, you mentioned SAFE Plus. SAFE Plus is basically this. You have the basis of SAFE, which makes it easier for uh, the financial institutions to do business with the cannabis industry without um, without really enforcement laws and worry about money laundering laws. Safe Plus is a way to sweeten the pot for some especially um, Democratic members to add language in there. And Michelle can jump in that makes it easier uh, for uh, Democrats to not just swallow safe, but to actually do a little more. And if Michelle, you wanna talk about some of the versions of what the pluses are out there that have sweetened the pot for some democratic offices. Sure, Mike. So, you know, as we're recording this, this is uh, uh, about a week before you're, whoever you are out there listening to this. So some, some things might have changed by the time you hear this recording. But as we're sitting right now, uh, currently Safe Plus, uh, some of those uh, inclusions have been talking about small business provisions, right, about allowing for cannabis-related small businesses to access funding from the Small Business Administration, which they are currently unable to do. Uh, other provisions that have been talked about getting put in that Safe Plus uh, package are provisions related to CDFIs and MDIs, that's minority depository institutions, uh, uh, to protect those the same way that the banks and credit unions and other financial institutions in SAFE would be protected. And then there's also even been talk about some veterans provisions. Unfortunately, I'm not sure those are going to make it into this, even despite that this is a defense bill. Um, but I digress. Um, there's also talk about maybe putting something like the HOPE Act, uh, which is a bill that allows for grant funding of expungements to uh, at the state and local level to open up. And that's a bill that's been uh, sponsored by Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and mm. uh, Congressman Dave Joyce in the House. Uh, right. So that's one of those Democratic sweeteners as well. So a lot still in play. We'll see what ends up being plus and safe plus. Fingers crossed we get it done. And you as gotcha. Michelle mentioned, you know, quote unquote, as of this recording, Bethany. And so a lot is happening right now and when the time this is uh, released to the public something could have happened but a lot is brewing right now um we had expectations that after the election and before the new congress comes in that congress would want to do something around safe and we've seen a lot of action 
on this. And so it's a great time to be a lobbyist, a cannabis lobbyist. We're definitely outside of lobby days. Michelle and I are as, as busy as we've been uh, this past year or two. And so just a lot going on, but this is what it's all for is when that day happens, you have to be ready to strike and a lot is happening right now. And fingers crossed that we can hopefully get something over the finish line and maybe by the time people are hearing this, the news will be good. So we'll see. But fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Let's take our last commercial break and then we will come back and wrap up this episode. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. And we have just a couple minutes left to wrap up this chat here, I want to remind our listeners, especially NCIA members, that Lobby Days, our 11th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days, is coming up May 16th, 17th, and 18th, 2023. Definitely sponsorship packages available for companies that want to align yourself with that work that we're doing. And we also have an event calendar coming back. Yay! Our industry socials and a cannabis caucus will be leading us up from late January through May in 10, 11 cities across the country. So stay tuned uh, for more information about these events. These are great evening networking receptions where you can mix and mingle with your fellow NCIA members, connect with NCIA staff, and keep the momentum going in our awesome industry. Um, So Lobby Days is great. Speaking of all this great government relations stuff, we did see some White House action as well that uh, I I just want to mention it as well. Um, One, President Joe Biden announced uh, we his administration would begin the process of decriminalizing cannabis and pardoning nonviolent cannabis offenses. Wow. To your point, many decades ago, Joe Biden was working against these issues and now making an announcement like this is incredible. Also, uh, the first piece of cannabis legislation to be sent to a president's desk, the medical research bill was also recently signed by President Joe Biden. Wow, right? What are your what are your reactions to this White House action on cannabis? Well, it's uh, it's twofold. One, it was truly I want people to take a step back and really think about it was historic and regardless of your views of Joe Biden and personally he could have done this his first day in office on inauguration day he could have campaigned on cannabis he could have said this it could have been a big historic uh this is our view on cannabis so from that end you know it's frustrating they hadn't signaled much uh and anytime the white house did signal around cannabis it was usually not positive so i was a little surprised but with that being said regardless of their motives or the politics or whatever you want about it the president of the united states basically for the first time in history said hey 
I want to review this. Let's start this process. So that was truly historic. The fact that he said he was going to start the process of expunging records. And if you know cannabis, most of the arrests for cannabis at the federal level are going to be around trafficking. No one is really getting arrested at the federal level for small possession. Most of those are happening at the state level. But the fact that he used the opportunity from a messaging standpoint to talk about the need for governors to start this process is also truly historic. You know, we talk about the bully pulpit of the White House being able to at least message around that. I think that's historic. I think it says a lot. And as far as the research bill, you know, um, anyone who is listening to this show is probably knows the history of cannabis. We all know the benefits of this plant. And the research bill is so 10 years ago, but the fact that Congress finally got around to doing a research bill shows you how slow things work in Congress. And Michelle can talk about, you know, the details of the bill or the history, but even one little provision, there was a House version and the Senate version, and the Senate version uh, allowed for uh, only one uh, facility, the University of Mississippi, to provide the cannabis for research, whereas the House version allowed for the state medical uh, um, uh, systems to provide for the cannabis, and that wouldn't even pass. And so, Michelle, if you want to talk about that, but it's just, it's truly, it's historic, and at the same time, it goes to show you how slow the process is around cannabis, that in 2022, we are high-fiving each other because a research bill passed. Yeah, we're almost out of time with our dear listeners here, but just quickly, Mike, you summed it up pretty well. The House version of that bill, the research bill had initially said the research, the cannabis that the research is going to be done on could come from a dispensary, right? So what people are actually consuming, the more uh, conservative, if you will, Senate version said, no, you still need to get it from Ole Miss, uh, which is where research grade cannabis is currently uh, uh, um, gotten from. And so at the end of the day, that's still where it's going to have to come from, but they did open up how you can do research. So it is still a great first step forward. We'll, t- we'll take this. We'll take what we can get as it comes along, right? <laughs> All right. Um, thank you both for taking the time to catch us up a little bit on what's been happening in the year 2022 and get us excited to wrap up this year and kick off 2023. And we'll see what kind of progress we can make in this uh, slow but uh, forward motion one way or the other with cannabis policy reform. Appreciate your time. Looking forward to seeing you in Washington, D.C. in May, if I don't see you in person before then. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.